Stand by. Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello, and welcome to the Librocube. I am Jordan Maywood, the Lackadaisical Librocubicularist. Librocubicularist. Today is Tuesday, October 30th. The day before Halloween, ooh, Halloween Eve, or what do they call it? Devil's Night. Yeah, that's that. Devil's Night. Um, I actually remember as a kid, a kid to teen-ish, somewhere in there, going out on Devil's Night and pretty much wreaking havoc. So, good times, good memories, good memories. Today's sponsor is Bartleby's 6-inch extension cords. That's Bartleby's 6-inch extension cords. Are you sick and tired of 25, 50, and even 100-foot extension cords? Of course you are, because that's just ridiculous. Who needs that much extension? to their cords. Ridiculous. That's Bartleby's thought. Our our motto at Bartleby's is, let us give you the six inches you really need. And by that we mean extension cords, you dirty bastards. Okay, it is Tuesday, which means it is TV Tuesday. TV, of course, short for television first show I would like to talk about is Parks and Recreation, or as often called Parks and Rec. If you listened to last TV Tuesday, we talked about Party Down, and I could not remember the main character's name on the show. Neither could I remember his name on Parks and Rec, because he's actually on both shows. His name on, his name on Party Down is Henry, and his name on Parks and Rec is Ben. So, I'm going to say those are sort of forgettable names. Now, if his name was uh, Jehoshaphat, then I wouldn't have forgot it. But Ben and Henry, come on, cut me, uh, cut me some slack there, guys. Uh, the episode of Parks and Rec, I watched the thing that I wrote a little uh, note to myself to mention was that one of the guest stars was none other than Lucy Lawless, a.k.a. Xena Warrior Princess. Xena was a show that I used to watch. I was more of a uh, Hercules guy. Hercules, the legendary journeys, just in case you uh, are confused by which Hercules I'm talking about. Uh, And then because of that, got into Xena. They were both good. The very last season of Xena, I kind of lost interest and couldn't even watch. I have them both on DVD, because I am a TV-on-DVD guy. Same with uh, Hercules, actually. They should have done kind of a Seinfeld quit while you're not behind, in their case. 
the highlights, really, for me of both shows, my favorite ones was uh, whenever they had uh, Autolycus, the King of Thieves, played by my favorite actor, Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell, um, friggin' awesome, basically. I could just put a period there and put it to bed. But uh, one thing I'd like to mention about Bruce Campbell is that he's on Twitter, which is not surprising, because most people are nowadays. And um, I noticed that a lot of people would send them, send him pictures of like beautiful sunsets, just sort of nature and beautiful scenic shots. And he would quite often comment on them because he's a big fan of them. So I decided to send him a tweet him, I should say. I decided to tweet him a picture of my backyard. Now my backyard is small. <laughs> for lack of a better word. It uh, used to have grass, and I used to cut it with a weed whacker. That that kind of small. We took out the grass and put down patio stones. I really like it. Uh, I think it looks good, but it is small. I'm a big fan of the not having to cut grass. Small, it's got a little garden, blah, blah, blah. Uh, at the time I took the picture, it was winter so everything was pretty much dead and it wasn't exactly in its top form that being said Bruce Campbell tweeted me back and said it was sexy as hell obviously sarcastically but still that made my friggin year to get a tweet from Bruce Campbell I am thinking actually of uh getting it framed and or laminated and then mounting it somewhere in the backyard and then if we uh, also if we ever decide to sell the house we could say that the backyard is Bruce Campbell approved and uh, now I have evidence of that so that's a bit of a ramble there Lucy Lawless uh, here's a totally separate ramble I recently read or saw that she had joined either Greenpeace or something very much like Greenpeace and had basically attacked, um, yeah, attacked, boarded a oil rig in Australia. Not in Australia, off the shores of Australia. So imagine that you are uh, Joe Blow working on an oil rig, <laughs> which, from what I gather, is a tough job. And you've heard rumors that the possibility exists that uh, environmental types may try to board and take over your rig in a sort of protest. So this happens. And one of the boarders slash protesters is friggin' Xena Warrior Princess. And I hope, and I pray, and I'm going to picture in my brain that she did her Xena scream when she hopped on board. Because that really tickles my fancy. So that is a true story, other than the possibility of her 
doing the Xena scream, which I'm not even going to try to replicate. <laughs> Something um, not even close to that. Alright, we are at the point in the game. In the game. We are at the point in the show where we play a game. You see where I got confused there. The Q, Q, Q. Q. 107 Radio Roulette. That is none other than Antimo once again. So we are losers. I just realized we forgot to play on the drive home yesterday, but that's just because we had four movies to get through, so we were a little, little crushed for time. So I started out talking about Parks and Rec and basically have not talked about it at all. As soon as I mentioned uh, Lucy Lawless, a.k.a. Xena, we went off on a big tangent there. But I like tangents. Tangents are fun. Tangents are cool, as Doctor Who might say. On Parks and Rec, Lucy Liu is playing uh, Ron Swanson's Lucy Liu. Uh, Lucy Lawless is playing Ron Swanson's uh, love interest. She has a couple of uh, bratty kids, bratty girl kids, which uh, Ron is not exactly ecstatic about, but uh, he seems to try to want to make the effort, which is big of him. Ron Swatson is probably one of the funniest characters on TV today, I would say. The stash. You gotta, if, if you don't know who he is, you could probably, well, you can Google him and look at a picture of him, and just that picture alone will probably garner a smile at the very least. So that's a good sort of base for this character. He is a uh, sort of your definition, very definition of your red-blooded uh, American not even American, American, that's uh, apostrophe M, American male, uh, red-blooded American meat-eating male, big fan of the bacon. Uh, I believe the phrase he has uttered is, uh, give me all the bacon and eggs you have at a restaurant, <laughs> and that was, just thinking of that was funny. So, there's that. That is a show I watch online. It is available on uh, City TV Online here in Canada. Um, a lot of online TV sites, if it's an American station, you quite often will not be able to access them in Canada, so maybe it's vice versa. If you're in the States, you can't access Canadian websites that have their television content online. I don't know. But check her out, definitely. The next uh, show I wanted to talk about is definitely what I'm going to consider a sort of guilty pleasure. It is uh, a show that the missus and I watch, and it is one that, as I have said, we have shows that I like, that I sort of make her watch, 
uh, rescue me is the example there. Although she likes it, so whatever. Uh, then she has shows that she will watch while I lie next to her and read. Like, uh, till that do us part. Friggin' wedding shit still. I thought after we got married, the watching of wedding-related shows would decline. Which it has declined, but I thought that would be gone. Totally. But no, it's not. Uh, what else? Sometimes the friggin' shopping channel, which drives me nuts. And worst of all, that is like nails on a chalkboard to me, um, any of the Real Housewives shows. I hate. And hate is a word that I do not throw around willy-nilly, but I hate those shows. Just their friggin' voices make me want to kill myself, basically. I think show the decline of society. So, you know, there you go. Yet, I love the missus, so... <laughs> if she wants to watch them, who am I to stop her? Uh, okay, uh, this show that we both watch and both enjoy and both sort of stumbled upon at the same time is what I'm going to consider my biggest guilty pleasure um, sort of embarrassed to mention that I really enjoy is called Breaking Amish. Have you heard of this one? Which I did an Amish joke in a couple of uh, episodes ago. That joke probably, well, yeah, must have sprang from me watching the show. Yeah, that makes sense. The show follows a group of four, sorry, five Amish people, actually more precisely four Amish people and one Mennonite person, three girls and two guys, who have decided to not necessarily totally break from their Amish lives, but at the very least try to see what it would be like to break from their Amish lives. What appealed to me right off the bat is that it was young people sort of leaving religion behind. This is kind of a way I looked at it. And that right off the beginning episode appealed to me because I like to see people <laughs> leaving their religion behind because I do not like religion, and wish that it was banned from the face of the earth. Um, maybe on a pre-internet day, when we talk about Penn Sunday School, we'll uh, get into that a little bit more. The show starts with sort of what their Amish lives are like, and they get filmed in their Amish garb, in their Amish homes, with their Amish families, although only one of them, uh, only one of the guys, they really show his family, whereas the other ones, the family wants nothing to do with it, which I'm kind of surprised the one family is letting themselves be filmed all the time. It's kind of, kind of strange, I think. If you're Amish, you don't want to be filmed. But what do I know? Maybe they're 
star-hungry, fame-hungry Amish people out there. Who knows? Something interesting that they do is rather than give them sort of a gradual, okay, you're no longer Amish, here, let's move you out of the Amish community to this little town, they kick it up a few notches and move them to New York City. So I think, if hell, if I moved from the smallish town in Ontario to New York City or New York City, I would be a little awestruck. So you can imagine what these Amish folk were like, which another reason that I really liked it was to see new things through the eyes of these people as if I was experiencing them for the first time, like, uh, like a, like a coffee maker in your hotel room or, oh God, when they first started using the internet, when they first got cell phones and just the, the fact that they had never used the internet, that kind of, that tickled me. It's almost sort of broken up into two different stories. The story that I am uh, liking the, mo the most is between one of the guys and one of the girls who have sort of fallen in love. Um, if you haven't seen, a spoiler is that they have just gotten engaged, and it was pretty adorable. I think you could tell that they are really in love. Oh. Uh, a little monkey wrench that was thrown into it is that the girl had already been married and did not tell her now fiancé. She was trying to justify that fact, although I don't really know how you do justify that. So I'm on his side in that case. And uh, the problem there is if she was not married and they got married, the possibility still existed that they could go back to the Amish life. But now that she has been married, and if he marries her, he would not be allowed back in the Amish life. So let's get eight hours of work done. Booyakasha. I'm a fool to do your dirty working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. 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 We are back. Back in action. Hello again. We have finished our work day as we do every work day. Because if we didn't, that is the very definition of hell. <laughs> the never ending work day. All right. So. I wanted to start off by saying, um, be kind to your web-footed friends, or someday you might be in trouble if you think that this is the end. Well, you're right. Get that out of the way. It's pissing down still. Days and days of rain. So hopefully the audio quality is not horrendous. If it is... Um, well, talk to God, because he's in charge of weather, so I've, so I've heard. We left off talking about breaking Amish, which involved people moving away from God. Well, you know what? 
I said that, but then I kind of thought about it. Although true, maybe for some of them, I think some of them are still trying to remain religious. Maybe not to the point of being Amish, Amish religious, which is a little more hardcore, but uh, religious, God-fearing folk nonetheless. Which I wish they would just totally move away from 100%, which I think one of them, one of the guys may have done. So good good on him. Good on him. One thing um, I think we might be seeing in the show, which I kind of hope doesn't happen, is a bit of uh, corruption in their lives. As if leaving the Amish... <laughs> I'm having trouble saying that. The Amish. The Amish has, uh, and moving to New York, has corrupted them. Which, uh, apparently, I remember them showing a statistic that those who leave the Amish quite often get heavy into, uh, at the very least, alcohol and quite often drugs. Which is sad, because I like the thought of people leaving a religious life behind and then doing very well for themselves. That appeals to me more. It's sort of that, uh, kind of hard to explain, but I think someone who has been exposed to, let's say, booze and alcohol and has not been told by everybody that if they do these things, they will burn in hell and have had it beaten into them, either literally beaten into them or figuratively with words beaten into them that doing these things is wrong. Um, it becomes that sort of taboo and they can't help themselves but wonder what it would be like to drink booze and smoke a little weed. Whereas someone like myself, who has been around at the very least alcohol their whole lives um, and had as very understanding parents, just leave that at that, <laughs> uh, has not been corrupted because there was nothing really to corrupt. Huh. Kind of an interesting way to look at it, I think. On the show, three of them, one in particular, seemed to really be enjoying the, the booze. The one in particular is the model-looking type girl. Um, again, not good with names. <laughs> They're Amish names. Jedediahs and what have yous. Not the girls. She uh, went to a modeling agency because apparently that's what she wanted to do with her life, was to become a model. She's uh, alright looking, I guess. She's got a good body, but She's got that kind of, uh, what I would describe as sort of a witch's face. <laughs> which is funny, which is funny, because um, in the last episode, there was a lot of talk of witchcraft. Uh, I said to the missus, I remember saying to her that something I found amusing, I guess is sort of the word. Maybe not amusing, but interesting was the fact that when they were talking about 
witchcraft. It was as if they literally believed that witchcraft existed in the world and the possibility existed that some of their members could perform witchcraft and were taking it very, very seriously uh, to the point where they were in tears, which was amusing and horrifying that people, people's brains uh, exist in that state. Alright, so let's leave Breaking Amish behind and move on to uh, another show which we've mentioned last week, but I wanted to talk about two episodes I watched, and that show is MASH. Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. Yes, uh, I briefly talked about it a little bit. Uh, I'm on season two now, two of eleven. You know what? Uh, I just realized I am going to try to talk the missus into watching the movie, the MASH movie. Uh, hopefully she'll go for that. I can be pretty persuasive. If not, um, I'll usually just bribe her. But uh, that often works as well. The first of two episodes I wanted to talk about is one um, that I remember as a child. They had a... Uh, I don't know if these episodes actually had names when they originally came out, but they have named them on the discs anyways, which is actually kind of interesting because I think shows kind of uh, back in the day did not uh, have episode names. I, maybe I'm going out on a limb saying that, but for some reason I think that's true. And they were just sort of like season two, episode three, season two, episode four. So I wonder if, A, that is the case, which I think I heard that somewhere, and B, if that is in fact the case, who uh, watched all these episodes and then went ahead and named them all. Because that's kind of an interesting job. And who did it? Who does it? little food for thought. Thought, I guess. Sure. Before we continue on, we're going to play the Q107 Radio Roulette. I'm trying to say it differently every day, um, just to mix it up a bit. Alright, here we go. Okay, that song is, of course, Woohoo! Alright, it is not called that, it's uh, Running Down a Dream. Is it Running Down a Dream? It's Tom Petty. Ooh. Yeah, it's Running Down a Dream. Uh, Tom Petty Running Down a Dream? Ooh. Running Down a Dream. Yeah, yeah. Normally I'm uh, pretty quick at knowing what the song is from just hearing a little bit. 
So I do recall that song was almost over. It was in the woohoo end part of the song. Good tune. Love Tom Petty. My favorite Tom Petty song is Last Dance with Mary Jane. Love that one. Okay, back to MASH. This episode, which I believe they chose the title Five O'Clock Charlie, for those of you who don't know, Charlie is a sort of, uh, I don't think it's actually a very PC term, politically correct term. I don't really know how it originated, but Charlie is quite often what they call the enemy. I don't know if it is, in fact, no, I do know, it's not just in um, the Korean War, which is where MASH takes place. It was also in the Vietnam War, because I remember in movies them talking about Charlie. Uh, Apocalypse Now comes to mind. Charlie, don't surf! Oh, there's a good pull. Um, I love the smell of napalm in the morning, for example. That's one of my favorite war movies that I've seen, oh boy, probably close to a dozen times. So, maybe we'll talk about that. But it's TV Tuesday, so we can't talk about friggin' movies. Uh, Five O'Clock Charlie is what they name a uh, pilot, uh, an enemy pilot who flies by their uh, hospital base every day at five o'clock, hence the five o'clock part of his name. I don't know if this actually existed, but he throws bombs from his plane. And I mean, like, literally with his hand, he will throw a bomb out of the side of his uh, biplane. It's a biplane. Biplane meaning two wings. Bi for two. Plane for plane. Um, And he is a pretty horrible, horrendous... Uh, at aiming, so he misses every single time. What he's aiming for is, for some reason, the hospital base has a sort of munitions dump supply there. Uh, I don't know why, and neither do a lot of the people on the base know why they have this, when it is basically, if it was not there, they would not be getting these daily bombing attempts. Uh, What happens is they figure if uh, Charlie actually hits this supply, um, there will be no reason for him to come and try to bomb the shit out of him. uh, One of the things they do is put a giant, like, target on it. That doesn't work. He still misses. They actually, prior to that, they bet. (laughs) They all bet on where, uh, like, I guess they have sort of a grid set out and bet where his bomb is going to land. Frank Burns, who's kind of the asshole of the show, the bad guy, I guess you could say, decides to requisition a giant gun slash cannon to uh, shoot down 5 o'clock Charlie. Now the uh, good guys, Hawkeye and uh, Trapper John, kind of don't want this guy to get hurt he's, you know, whatever, he's a human being, right? So uh, they fight against him getting that with no success. So Frank gets this gun all set up, good to go. Five o'clock Charlie comes shooting along and um, Frank is confused, I guess you would say, in the operation of the gun. 
and uh, Hawkeye and Trapper start yelling out numbers because if you've ever seen one of these giant guns operated, it's through numbers on how you aim. And um, they get him confused to the point where he, uh, not aiming at the plane, but is rather aiming at the supply dump. So 5 o'clock Charlie comes shooting along. He drops his bomb. Of course, he misses despite the giant target. As he's flying away, Frank Burns, in sort of a confused state, uh, has aimed this cannon, has yelled fire, and has blown up the supply dump. The other episode is something else that made me curious. Um, is about a uh, little Korean boy who they operate on and then cannot find his family. So one of the uh, surgeons, uh, Trapper John, uh, decides to adopt the little Korean boy. And I don't blame him because despite not being, um, I don't know, how do I say this delicately, the hugest fan of kids, sometimes they are adorable. And this kid was adora bull so um he goes through all the sort of red tape gets his wife to sign on uh and then of course the very last scene is the mom sort of pops out of nowhere and it all falls through and that was sad um i may have if i was a more emotional person shed a tear but I did not. So what made me curious about that is, did anything like that ever happen? I don't know. I kind of like to think that it happened all the time. There's a bunch of uh, Korean adopted kids running around in uh, the States that were adopted by army folk. It's sort of that uh, warms your cockles thought. Oh, uh, so far uh, I forgot to rate breaking Amish, and so far, man, I'm pretty hooked, I gotta say. It's pretty embarrassing. Uh, I'm gonna go four to five uh, out of five. And uh, the missus and I are gonna watch it tonight. Ooh. Snuggle down in this uh, rainy day and watch a little Rescue Me and then a little Breaking Amish and there you go. That is a good life. Uh, the last show I wanted to get in, which I better hurry because we're almost home! is uh, Weeds again, and uh, just talk about how much this uh, show has grown on me. It is, uh, I'm in the second season. The seasons are actually kind of short. They're not your your 20 episode seasons. Maybe it was just the first season was like that. Uh, the music on the show is friggin' awesome, and I am a, a huge fan and find that good music in a movie or TV show will make a friggin' world of difference. I think the reason the Woodstock movie is my favorite or in my top five uh, of movies is just because the music is so awesome. And the same can be said of Weeds, um, especially in the first season, the opening, uh, the show opening kind of sticks out in my mind. I really like that. I think they're doing kind of a Every season will have someone singing the same song, but in a, well, it's a different person every season, which uh, they also did on The Wire. The Wire, five out of five. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty much out of time. 
one episode I, or what I wanted to mention on weeds was an episode in which a rat was stuck in a wall, a rat that had eaten a shitload of pot. The weeds girl's brother tried to get it out with no success and a lot of fun. And I think trying to get animals out of walls has appeared in more than one thing, movie or TV show, and I think it's usually pretty funny. I am at home. So, that's all, folk. Remember, as you lay down tonight, that it's nice to be nice. To the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubicle Wrist. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Nah, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Come the day you're mine Live long and prosper